Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All content provided or opinions expressed in this podcast are for informational purposes only. Please seek advice from your doctor or other qualified healthcare practitioner. Today we're going to be speaking about the brain health and food connection and I'll be speaking with Dr. Carol Greenwood. Dr. Greenwood is a senior scientist, Rotman Research Institute at Baycrest and professor in the Department of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Toronto. Dr. Carol Greenwood leads the team exploring nutrition, exercise and lifestyle in Alzheimer's disease prevention in the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration and Aging. For those of you who haven't listened to some of the other Alternative Food Network podcasts that I've done, I'm Dr. Audrey Sasan, or Dr. Audrey as some people like to call me. I'm a naturopathic doctor and have been in practice for over 10 years. I'm committed to optimizing my patients' well-being and quality of life through customized treatment options. Some of my areas of focus are on digestive health, hormonal regulation, pain management, immune optimization, and preventative medicine. Unlike some of the other podcasts that I've done with AFN, today the tables have turned and I'll be the one leading the conversation. So welcome to the program, Dr. Carol Greenwood. Can you please tell us what is brain food? The, uh, yes, really. I mean, I think we, you want to look broadly in terms of the diet that we're, we're eating. Um, and in general, we know that that Mediterranean-style diet is very healthy for the brain. Um, but we try to extend and go beyond that and really talk about a diet that's predominantly plant-based, so is relying heavily on fruits and vegetables. Um, you're wanting to make sure that you have lots of fish in your diet and going lightly on things like the red meats and the um, uh, processed foods. So what specifically about the dark greens are you looking for to help fortify the brain? Well, in the dark greens, I mean, I think traditionally we think in terms of it, well, I mean, one just being very high in nutrients in general in terms of the brain needs as many nutrients as the rest of our body. Um, but we normally would have thought of it originally in terms of being very high in, in antioxidants. But I think we now know that there are other vitamins, and particularly vitamin K, um, that's very enriched in uh, in the dark green vegetables that's uh, very important in terms of supporting our mental function. I agree. So what age would be the right time to start introducing the concept of feeding your brain? I know as a naturopath, I do it from utero, telling my female patients to start taking DHA in their third trimester to help cognitive development. Well, and that's and we know that that's exactly the right approach. Um, the um, you know for some reason uh, in in North America we think of aging as something that starts at sixty five, mm-hmm. um, but in reality we start aging the day we, that we leave our, we leave our mother's womb. Um, and the more the good habits that we accumulate over our lifespan, um, the better we are going to be in our advanced years. 
People that are uh, living a poor lifestyle, including a poor quality diet, their brains are often smaller, and so we would call that atrophy. But often we specifically see atrophy in very important regions of the brain, uh, like the hippocampus, which is intimately involved in memory. Um, So we know that the brain structure itself is being damaged. Um, If we then look in terms of how the brain communicates, when people are engaged in cognitive tasks, we'll often then see that the communication between uh, brain cells or neurons is disrupted as well. So uh, not only do we see it in terms of adverse effects on on the volume of our brain, but we would also see it in terms of the ability of those nerve cells to communicate with one another. I think that it's really important to recognize that uh, we need to feed our brain throughout our lifespan. Um, that normally, um, when we start to talk about people being concerned about their uh, their brain health, their memory, their cognition, um, that we're usually targeting people that are in their senior years, where um, you know they're they're fearful in terms of dementia. But we're increasingly getting evidence that it's equally as important for children. Um, and what's I think very disturbing, and particularly as we see a rise of obesity and its associated disorders, high blood pressure, diabetes in children, is that there's now evidence that even in children as young as 14 years of age, that in that those kids that are obese or have those obesity-associated disorders are actually doing worse in terms of their school performance. And these studies are coming out of New York where they do standardized state exams. And these kids were doing worse in both their uh, reading and their arithmetic uh, exams. But also when they started to look at the brains, um, once they had the MRIs in terms of looking at brain imaging, they were seeing even in these young kids that they were already seeing evidence um, of that hippocampus, that brain area that supports memory uh, as being smaller or atrophied. So we know that damage can occur very young in life um, and particularly as we start to see increased sedentary populations, um, kids becoming overweight very uh, young in life, there's increasing concern in terms of what that's going to mean for the brain health of these kids as they grow into adulthood. The other part, though, I think that's also equally um, important because that's the the negative side of it, is that we also know that... um, Changing your diet and and, uh, becoming more healthful in your lifestyle is beneficial to the brain, and we can see benefits throughout our lifespan. So there was a large study that was done in Spain um, called the PrediMed, where they had um, adults uh, move over onto this Mediterranean-style diet. And even in people that were 75 years of age, when they started healthier eating practices, um, they were able to see benefits in terms of their cognition. So we know the brain uh, is pliable, it's responsive to positive lifestyle, uh, the same way that we know that the brain is uh, adversely affected to poor lifestyle choices, and these things are, are consistent across our lifespan. Is the damage done in terms of the atrophy that was noticed on the MRI, is the damage irreversible or is there something to be said about the plasticity of the brain and its ability to regenerate or at least refortify those 
Oh, I know it's it's such a it's such an interesting question, and and it does fit into that plasticity perfectly. And the you know the lovely thing is that we know that uh, we can grow the brain, um, and that we can grow the brain again throughout our lifespan. Um, most of the work that's been looking at those issues around plasticity have been uh, using exercise rather than diet in terms of the uh, stimulus stimulant. Um, and again, even in older adults entering into uh, walking programs so it doesn't have to be intensive exercise that you can start to see growth um, of this hippocampal area um, so that uh, I think as we're starting to see improvement in terms of cognitive function um, that we would argue that it's likely also um, paralleled by uh, improvements in terms of brain structure so we can repair our brains. Which is very encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what it, uh, you know, the most important message that we try to get across is the fact that um, we can uh, do very positive things in terms of um, supporting our brain function, optimizing the health and function of the brain the same way that we talked about, you know, optimizing health of other, other tissues. And what are some foods that help support brain health? Well, I think, you know, I mean, that adage in terms of is fish brain food, and the answer to that is absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. We know that um, the brain is particularly uh, dependent on those omega-3 fatty acids. But I think if you look broadly, um, what we're trying to do is to um, lower the level of um, oxidative damage and inflammation um, really in the whole body. I mean, so the brain is going to be adversely affected by those things, but we're taking a whole body approach on it. And that's really when we're starting to move over to the plant-based foods um, so that we're getting a lot of those polyphenols and all of those other um, components of fruits and vegetables that are so healthy for us. Um, so it's not really any one single food as much as it's exposing yourself to a, a vast array of different fruits and vegetables. And can you explain a little bit about the genesis of the Brain Health Food Guide? The, uh, yes, we, um, uh, we put together a Brain Health uh, Food Guide. It's a team of nutritionists that um, are actually across Canada. And um, we're working with something called the Canadian Consortium of Neurodegeneration and Aging. Um, and we were wanting to start to put a clinical trial together in order to be able to look at the degree to which we could improve um, brain measures of brain health in older adults if they improve their diet. As we were doing that, that's when we realized that a lot of the information that's available to individuals is really talking about the benefits of a Mediterranean style of diet. It is true that style of eating is very healthy for the brain, but it also doesn't necessarily match all of the cultural needs of Canadians. Um, and so we were trying to take something that uh, drives on the principles of what we know in terms of the benefits in fruits and vegetables, fish, um, all of the healthy foods, and put it much more into a Canadian context that would be um, appropriate across the, you know, sort of the vast array of different cultures that we have in Canada. Fantastic. And what kind of tips can you give our listeners to help them make the right choices in terms of snack ideas or foods to keep handy in their pantry? Yeah, well, I think, you know, when we've been trying to help seniors change, one of the things that we would like people to do, for instance, is to rely on nuts much more frequently. Um, and I think what some of the people were finding is that it was very handy for them if they 
uh, took a handful of nuts and put it into a sandwich bag or a little plastic container and popped that into their um, their purse or their bag so that if they started to feel hungry through the day rather than reaching for a donut or a muffin, that they had something that was healthy in front of them. You can do the same type of thing with cut vegetables or uh, fruit, but I think as we try to go in terms of the foods that we would like you to eat on a daily basis, and certainly fruits and vegetables are in there, but looking at sort of how you can easily make those into portables so that you're carrying them with them is uh, really beneficial. So in anticipation of your podcast, the AFN Network actually put out um, an opportunity for audiences to ask questions. The first one that someone posed was that they feel that if they avoid caffeine, they lose out that jolt of energy in the morning. What other ways can they achieve that jolt through foods? Yeah, so I mean, clearly the um, caffeine is um, probably the most um, potent stimulant that we would uh, expose ourselves to legally, whereas a lot of people choose to uh, to avoid it. When we think in terms of particularly first thing in the morning, when we're often looking for that caffeine to stimulate our, our brain, I think what we see over and over again is the importance of simply breaking the fast, um, having a breakfast, and that's something that many Canadians are not doing. At one point, we had thought that having carbohydrate foods would be more important, um, and the reason for that is that the brain is dependent on glucose for its energy. And so if we were eating carbohydrates, particularly those low GI carbohydrates where glucose is slowly released into the bloodstream, that that would help sustain uh, brain function over long periods of time. When we actually did some of those trials, um, what most of the research is saying is that it didn't really matter whether people were eating a high-protein or a high-carbohydrate breakfast. What mattered is that they had a breakfast. So I think the very first thing is to do is to work in um, a, a breakfast-eating routine into your, uh, into your daily life. When we're talking in terms of, you know, that jolt, we're really talking about a very short-term effect. And so there's a couple of things that people are looking at in terms of those short-term benefits. One of them is looking at an amino acid in tea, which is called theanine. The uh, problem is is that tea itself also has caffeine. And so unless you're using a decaffeinated tea, it's still the uh, problem. And it looks like you want that theanine in combination with caffeine. So that may not be that beneficial. Um, the uh, Then there would be products like ginkgo that people could, uh, could turn to. But I think most importantly, it's to remember that you also have to look at that longer term benefit, uh, keeping down the inflammation, keeping down the oxidation. So that's going to keep your brain healthy over longer periods of time. And that's where working in things like uh, fruits and vegetables and high exposure to foods that are high in antioxidants becomes very important. So the second audience question comes from someone who suffers from a severe fish allergy and was wondering what alternatives can they eat if they cannot eat fish for their omega-3 content? Very good question. There's a lot of people that need to uh, to avoid fish. And really what we're um, suggesting is that people turn to plant sources of, um, of foods that are high in omega-3s. Um, so we uh, naturally think of nuts and particularly walnuts, which have the, probably the highest content of 
omega-3 of all of the nuts. Um, nevertheless, there are people that will also have nut allergies, and they can turn to things like flaxseed. Um, very important if you're using flaxseed is that you're eating ground flaxseed rather than the whole uh, because it helps you absorb the um, the fat that's in the seed. Um, and then alternative, and uh, also uh, looking at things like soy oil, which is uh, also fairly high in omega-3s. But we also know that you can uh, turn to things like the omega supplement foods like the uh, omega uh, the omega eggs that we have in the grocery stores so you can really cover um, sort of a, a broad variety of different food sources in order to be able to get those omega-3s fantastic to learn more about this topic what resources would you recommend for our listeners the um, well I mean obviously we've uh, we have our brain health food guide which um, uh, people can access I believe on uh, on your website uh, but I think the other important thing that we haven't necessarily talked on and touched on as much on the conversation is that um, one of the main benefits in terms of healthy eating for the brain is also keeping our blood vessels healthy so that we get good delivery of um, blood and nutrients and oxygen into the brains. And so that it really ultimately means that anything is good for the heart is equally good for the brain. So any resource that would be looking at heart health um, would also be looking at diets um, that would be uh, brain healthy at the same time. So lots of sources there in terms of uh, Heart and Stroke Foundation. They've got some very good resources on their web, as does the Alzheimer's Society in terms of uh, tips and keeping getting updated as uh, as our knowledge uh, moves forward. Thank you, Dr. Greenwood, for this great information. For our listeners who would like a copy of the Brain Health Food Guide, they can go to the Alternative Food Network website at alternativefoodnetwork.com. To learn more about the topic and what Dr. Greenwood's team is doing, you can also go to the CCNA website. CCNA stands for Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration in Aging. AFN will post the link as well. To all of you listening, I hope you have found this podcast helpful. Please tell your friends, share it with people you know, and join AFN's mailing list on alternativefoodnetwork.com. There you can find more podcasts related to food and health, watch some great videos, and let us know what other topics you'd like us to cover. If anyone wants to reach me directly, you can send me a message on Instagram at dr.audrey, D-O-C-T-O-R dot A-U-D-R-E-Y. Thanks for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.